Hello and welcome to Meandering with Myrn, a potpourri podcast by me, veterinary ethologist Myrna Milani. Join me as I ponder any and all things animal and human, what we know and what we don't, where we've been, where we are, and where we're headed. Think of going au naturel in a changing environment as a local phenomenon. A very local phenomenon. And no, it doesn't involve naked people enjoying those increasingly abnormally hot days on the patio with glasses of their favorite cold beverage. I'm thinking of an au natural event like the one that changed the immediate environment around the little house on the hill. It happened like this. So far, the microclimate this summer has consisted of short bursts of very hot or cool and very dry or sopping wet weather. Years ago, I would have referred to these as abnormally hot, cool, wet, or dry spells. But the current sequence has recurred so often that I can't deny that what might have been the past's abnormal may be the new norm today. This creates special problems for those of us who must mow lawns and weed gardens as well as fulfill other obligations. Once I do the must-do work that keeps a roof over our heads, mowing takes precedence. While I know people who will mow in a downpour or or broiling temperatures, I'm not one of them. So if a dry day with temperatures reasonably below those in hell occurs and I've fulfilled my work-related obligations, mowing is my top priority. Given my uneven terrain, I can't afford to let the grass get too long. But spending those intermittent days with non-life-threatening temperatures mowing and doing other essential outdoor work means less time for my flower beds. This did not go unnoticed by some of the plants and animals who lived there, nor those who wanted to live there. I could see the appeal for any newcomers. Previously, I'd kept the beds neat and tidy a space for every plant, and the right plant for every space. Routine weeding identified and eliminated any interlopers, plant or otherwise. Though I had no desire to interfere with the activity of pollinators and other beneficial insects or critters, in retrospect, I realized that even though I told myself my ritual was for their benefit, I did it for myself. Perhaps because there's often so much going on in my head, I needed those beds to be neat. Or rather, I thought I needed them to be neat. As the weeks went by, when I spent all my time doing essential chores, a battle for survival commenced in the flower beds. Initially, the incursions were so subtle, I barely noticed. 
a little tuft of crabgrass here, a little tuft of witchgrass there. An occasional volunteer would appear. These offspring of commercially bred hybrids theoretically shouldn't produce viable seeds. Most of them don't survive. But in times of climate change, who knows? Perhaps a few of them would survive and even reproduce. As mowing took up more of my little available outdoor time, the newcomers and the original plants were left to their own devices. As the population of unsupervised plant life increased, more plants I knew I hadn't planted continued to pop up. Most of the interlopers were of hardy stock. Many with pedigrees much longer than the flowers I'd planted. No doubt some of their ancestors lived here long before any people did. Though I've been in the process of gradually replacing my non-native flowers with those of native roots that were pollinator friendly, some of the cultivated natives had been softened by years of breeding more for their looks. They stood little chance against the creeping competitors that evolved to survive. Or so I believed. Still, I felt guilty every time I looked at those increasingly undisciplined spaces and longed to tidy them up a bit. I have yet to determine whether my natural salvation from despair was a blessing, curse, or just another natural response in the changing environment. One day, as I approached the front walk to the house, I noticed little yellow and black blobs appearing and disappearing into a large cluster of ground cover. As I got closer, I knew that yellow jackets had built their nest under the flower bed. Past experience with stepping in yellow jacket ground nest openings while mowing told me I didn't want to mess with them. Because they'd never nested there before, I suspected that the lack of routine gardening activity led them to set up residence there. And given that they'd most likely commandeered a deserted rodent burrow, the nest could be quite large. On the upside, I knew that yellow jackets ate some insect larvae, including those of some pesky flies and small plant-eating insects. They also ate nectar and rotting fruit. All of these were or would be available throughout the summer. No matter how I looked at it, Mother Nature was telling me to let the flower beds go au naturel. As the one-sided battle continued and acceptance replaced depression, I reminded myself that weeds were merely out-of-place flowers. That, plus the growing population of all kinds of pollinators and little critters they attracted, slowly replaced the sadness I felt when I viewed the shrinking remnants of my once carefully tended flower beds. 
Soon I noticed flashes of color where I didn't expect color to be. The more I looked, the more flowers I saw. Some were unexpected, like a single pale lavender bee balm holding its own in a bed of weeds. None of those I deliberately planted in my tended flower beds had ever survived. Even more surprising was discovering a swath of supposedly more fragile red bee balm marching up a wooded slope heading who knows where. Their bed at the base of the slope had been taken over by native ferns. I never would have seen them had a hummingbird not burst suddenly through the leafy undergrowth and scared the daylights out of me. Barely visible in the bright red mass of flowers were the muted tones of wild foxgloves. Unlike the yellow cultivated ones I'd planted, these were covered with large flowers. Together, the bee balm and the wild hyacinths created a floral buffet for nectar gatherers and pollinators. The yellow jacket's presence forced me to accept letting my flower beds go au naturel. They forced me to look at the buttercups, hawkweed, wild aster, and other flowering weeds I'd mowed down or pulled out in the past. Now I mark their presence. And when the temperatures drop in the late fall, when the yellow jackets are gone, I'll dig up those weeds that grow in the lawn and beside the driveway and in the parking space in front of the house and transplant them to the beds. Already, I'm looking forward to that. You've been listening to a podcast by veterinary ethologist Myrna Milani. For more podcasts, commentaries and books about animal behavior and the human-animal bond, and links to behavior and bond sites, check out my website at www.mmilani.com. For more specific information, feel free to email me at mm.mmilani.com. All rights related to the content of these podcasts are retained by Myrna Milani. The background music, Molly on the Shore by Percy Granger, is used with permission from Katova Arts, www.katova.com.